Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 74. We're glad you joined us. The practical business of schooling at home may often fall to moms, but dads have a singular and essential role to play in the success of this venture, which ideally fits into a broader approach to family life in keeping with our Catholic understanding of the domestic church. In today's episode, experienced dads Mike Drapeau and Greg Simia join Jordan and Stephen to talk about a father's contribution to the homeschooling dynamic over time, whether that's as support parent, primary homeschooling parent, or both. They discuss the ways dads can play active roles in the daily doings, as well as ways fathers can deepen their involvement with homeschooling while working or traveling a lot. They have words of advice and encouragement for reluctant dads eye-opening information about the influence fathers have on their children's faith into adulthood, and thoughts on the way coaching and mentoring their children and their friends can bring an additional level of engagement and foster deeper relationships. We hope you'll enjoy this special episode. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. This is Stephen homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. So Mike, thank you for joining us today. Um, why don't we start with you? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. And I guess you and Jordan have a, have a history together here as well. Yeah, uh, sure. <clears throat> uh, so my name is Mike Drapeau. I'm a father of eight, four older boys and four younger girls. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, the Northern suburbs. And, um, so I maybe a little bit about me super briefly. Um, I am uh, from Virginia, spent, uh, went to college, University of Virginia, and also in Cambridge University in England. I then joined the military and the Navy, and I spent um, 11 years in the Navy doing a variety of things, including submarine, uh, overhaul submarines. I was a surface ship uh, combat logistics officer for three years, four deployed. I've worked with the um, the uh, non-combatant evacuation teams and special forces teams out of the Sixth Fleet um, in La Maddalena in Italy for a couple of years, and um, and also on, worked on the Hill, uh, work uh, arguing for naval reactors, which was the Navy and DOE's organization for nuclear power. So that was kind of what I did. I got um, and got married, and then started a family, and then ended up leaving that. Um, working in, in various different areas of business and eventually um, starting my own company with two other uh, gentlemen uh, about 15 years ago. And I just actually, since since the, the podcast I did with Jordan a couple of years ago, I sold that company to private equity um, about almost two years ago, just before, ironically, just before the pandemic. So time means everything. Um, and I'm now sort of semi-retired, if you will, still doing some productive work for a private equity company, but largely spending my time as a grandfather and as a, uh, as uh, doing apostolate and uh, catching up on the reading that I've been deferring for the past 30 years. Um, picked up scuba diving, did that a little while ago. I used to play semi-professional rugby. It's another sort of weird thing about me. And um, my wife and I also um, purchased and have been renovating a big property up in North Georgia, a um, sort of a, it's got everything, pastures, beautiful views, vistas, hunting, you name it. And we kind of go up there a lot for our R&R. So that's, uh, that's the thumbnail sketch. There's more to say, but hopefully um, that's a easier a flavor. And what, how about your experience there with as far as being a Colby dad? Is, I understand you did, did some different things. I did. 
We did. So my four older boys all went through sort of standard private uh, Catholic school. Um, they were three sport athletes and that was really important to them. And so that was what was available there in Georgia, unlike Florida, let's say you can't do homeschooling and then participate in athletics in the public or private sector. So you have to go to the school to, to tap into that. Then my four younger girls, they, uh, were looking for something different. And so the, um, the middle two actually both went to Colby, Anna and Christina. So they both had Jordan as a professor in Latin and, um, they seemed to do well. And more than doing well necessarily, they really they really grooved to Jordan's vibe as a teacher, as a person, as a father. Uh, for them, watching kids running back and forth across the screen, the background was the highlight of their day, uh, just so that they felt you know <laughs> that that for them was a, that personalization of the education and that experiential element made it easier to I guess grind through the Latin tenses. I don't know, I don't I don't speak read or or uh, I know I have just enough Latin to get by, but I know that that made it a wonderful experience for them. Greg, how, how about your, your story, your background here? Well, um, thank you, Stephen. I'm also the uh, father of, of eight children, uh, also four boys and four girls. Five of, uh, five of my children have uh, graduated from college. Two of them are married. I have four grandchildren. Uh, two of them are currently at college, uh, a, a senior and a freshman at Thomas Aquinas College in Massachusetts. And then I have uh, two children at home. Uh, that are that are homeschooling. Um, they are in the uh, Colby uh, online program. My my background is accounting. I am a CPA. Have an MBA from the University of Texas at Austin, and uh, I spent um, after a period of six years in public accounting. I uh, went to work for Catholic hospital systems, and I was the CFO for um, a number of, of systems in uh, California, and then in uh, Oklahoma City area, and then in Virginia in the Hampton Roads area. And then finally here in Green Bay and uh, was doing that for about uh, nine years. Um, my wife and I were married in 1989 and uh, so married for 30 years. She uh, unexpectedly passed away a couple years ago. So I, uh, my role moved from being a, uh, a support for homeschooling to uh, the primary educator for, uh, for homeschooling. Um, quite, a, quite an adjustment and change for me. But um, that's, that's my background. Our, our connection to Colby. Uh, we began with Colby Academy in 2001. So this is our 21st year wow. uh, with, with Colby. Yeah, we were there in the early days when it was all paper. And uh, we were dissatisfied with the, uh, the education that our oldest child was receiving in uh, the Catholic elementary school she was going to and began uh, uh, researching homeschooling. We had a number of family friends that were, uh, that were homeschoolers. And uh, one of them had recommended that we look at Colby. And we were completely thrilled with and drawn to the, the classical curriculum. Um, yeah. It was so different than what our kids had been, uh, our oldest daughter had been receiving up until then. So I say we began um, as a Colby family and um, had been exclusively Colby all those years. I was uh, in a support role, as I said, for, for 18 years. It was all self-paced at the beginning. Um, so we had a lot of administrative work mm -hmm. that we had to do, my wife had to do. She did 99.5% <laughs> of the work um, in that capacity. When, uh, when Colby began introducing uh, the online program, we would introduce our high schoolers. Uh, we were determined to keep our kids in, in, uh, in homeschool for as, as long as possible off to college. But high school presented a lot of challenges. 
a lot of difficult subjects and a lot more rigor to it. So uh, we would introduce uh, online courses to them in their freshman year and then gradually moved to all online by the time they got to their, to their uh, junior year. As I said, when, uh, um, when I took over, I had uh, uh, an 11-year-old son who was starting sixth grade, and my daughter was starting her freshman year, and then I had a son that was starting his junior year. Um, and at that time, Megan Lengel, who uh, knew our family and knew our situation, had encouraged me to move our son our 11-year-old, fully into the online program, which turned out to be the, the best decision that, that we'd ever made. I was hesitant because it would be a, a big adjustment going from self-paced that he'd had the first five years to suddenly all online. But uh, it's amazing how quickly he picked it up and how just incredibly wonderful the, uh, the Schoology platform is. Uh, the teachers online are fantastic, and they keep a sort of a structure going. And in my unique situation, I don't have a support person, so that became really a, the support for me. Um, and I said, this is our, my third year now doing this as primary, and it's been a, an incredible experience. I, I love how you can keep track of the grades that they were in when they entered in. I Even now, like I, people ask me, what, what grade or even what age are your kids? I have five, and I can, I'm like, uh, I'm hoping one of them's around because... <laughs> but. I, I I remember Mike when we did our podcast uh, before, it, you were kind of wondering why why did I reach out to you because um, we hadn't met each other in person or anything, and uh, I said then and and it's still true, it you, you stood out to me as somebody who was really involved more so because at that time I was working as an advisor partially in the offices, and we had this thing called enhanced evaluation services. And um, you had signed Anna up for that. And whenever the deadline would hit, whenever it was, it was the day that that something was due back from me. So, but basically, what this is is Anna, uh, Mike's daughter, would would submit papers to me, and then there was a deadline, ten days or something like that. It had to be back. I forget what it was, and I would go through and grade it, and then send. And every time, if I was Right at that deadline, I'd get an email from Mike saying, uh, hey, uh, we submitted this. Where is it? And I, I, I really liked that combined with when I had Anna as a student in my class. She really stood out to me as like just had a really great personality. She was fun, a hard worker, fun with the other students. They all really liked her. And so I was like, I got to talk to this dad. I want to see see what he's all about. And that's why I brought you on the, the show the first time. And um I'm just wondering how how are your kids turning out? I mean, you've given a little bit of an update, but I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more for the audience as well. Well, first of all, I'm I'm almost embarrassed now that you you have reminded me that I was hounding you for your uh, for your response, and I have <laughs> I have like all I have no memory of that at all. So um, I have to take you for your word that I was <laughs> I was that ballistic. Um, <clears throat> sadly, one of my <laughs> least, um, maybe memorable, but least of, uh, you're about the only person on the planet who would think positively of that. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so let's start with Anna. So she is a, um, after she graduated high school, she did a, she did a missionary year. So a year of service to the church. Um, and she did that in Houston and then came back and she's now, she started off at Catholic and then now she's at Benedictine University as a nurse, straight A student, never got anything but an A. So she's definitely our most um, academically ambitious and performance-oriented student. Um, she and she is that sort of 
bigger than life, full of life, full of personality. Um, she's a b beautiful young woman and in every possible way. And so I couldn't be more proud of her, nor could my wife. Quick aside, Greg, I was laughing as you were talking, like virtually every point that you said was the same as me. You know, two kids married, um, two of them, um, four grandkids who <laughs> married in almost the same year. So other than the fact that you're an accountant, which I couldn't do on my best day, we have, we have, a, right. parallel, we have a parallel life track. Um, anyway, back to the kids. So real quick summary. The oldest is a, um, is about, I think going to be married this year. He's 32 uh, or uh, next year, maybe probably. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a senior credit analyst at Silicon Valley bank. And uh, next child is the one the, uh, who just moved, thanks be to God, from Cincinnati. He's been away from the family for seven years. He and his wife and kids, and they finally moved back here in town. So I'm out of the, the doghouse because I, I helped get him the job away from town. So the, rule number one, don't ever do that. Um, and, uh, and so he's a mechanical engineer, uh, graduate from Christian Brothers University in Memphis. Who, and he, he and his uh, four kids are going to be here, well, are here now. They just moved here three days ago. Then uh, next son is in Korea, working as a media uh, and logistics analyst for the, one of their largest logistics firms. Um, then the uh, married, just got married. And then um, the youngest son here actually used to work at the CDC, now was a contractor at the CDC, and he just got married too, no, no, um, and went to UGA. All, all those kids, except for the other kids, all went to UGA, University of Georgia. Go uh, Bulldogs here if you take a look at the uh, national rankings. And then uh, my oldest, um, <laughs> Mimi, um, is a nurse. She went to uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville and graduated there and is now a nurse here in town working on the surge ward. And she, and then Anna, as I just shared with you, is a Benedictine. Then the next youngest, Christina, who also, Jordan also knows, she's also doing a missionary year. She's doing her missionary in Washington, D.C. So, um, so she you know, lives with consecrated women and has other missionaries with her, and they spend the entire year doing apostolic work up and down the Eastern seaboard, youth work, you name it, evangelism. Christina is one of those people that you can airdrop into a room of 30 people and she will immediately begin organizing them for action. So this is exactly her cup of tea. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. And then lastly, um, Amy, who is a ninth grader at a private Catholic school here, also involved in mission youth work, team leader for young girls and a great piano player. So uh, that is the sort of rundown of my wife. Wife, you know, sort of the leader of the whole gang is my wife, Mary. So we've been married 33 years, I think. I think that's the number. Uh, and um, so she leads, like, you know, as Greg was saying, she is really the orchestrator. I am the role player, certainly with regard to education um, and, and other things as well. She is the idea machine. So, I mean, anything, any good idea I have was given to me, and I just merely was the mouthpiece. <laughs> So she is really a progenitor, <laughs> truly progenitor of the, all the creative things that we do in the family and always thinking ahead of the curve. I'm more like the execution machine, as Jordan experienced, um, I'm, but I'm not, I'm not the person who, um, who kind of sees the big picture and puzzles out the sort of the trends and the, the, the interconnections. That's her. So. Well, I'll tell you the thing that stood out, the, the reason, um, so I, I didn't take it, actually, I did not take it as negative at all, obviously, because I reached out to you and yeah, I was like, sure. yeah, I got to know more about this guy. Because when, when you're working, especially then, I guess, um, when working in the office or for the office, all the interaction for the advisors, I, I can't say all, but like 98% of my interactions were with the moms 
it was always, you know, the moms were reaching out about things. And um, that's really what stood out to me was the fact that, hey, there, there's this dad and he, he is he's on top of things. So you were uh, even so I think a lot of times the, the parents, the mother probably plays both roles because uh, if they're like me, I and I'm guilty of it. I'm my wife says, "What should we do with our kids this year?" When, or, you know, and I'm like, "I don't know. I'm, I'm working. You got to figure that out." Uh, but you, you, uh, you were involved. I thought that was really, really awesome. And I and I got the chance to meet uh, your kids, some of them as well, Greg. And I'm just wondering if you could sort of give us a an update on how all of them are doing. Sure, sure, Jordan. Um, yeah, my my uh, my oldest uh, Stephanie. She um, uh, graduated from uh, Thomas Aquinas College um, back in 2012. Uh, married uh, a fellow student, and uh, she's the the mother of the four children that we have. They actually live uh, uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, only a few hours away. So we're blessed uh, to have them so close by. Um, my next two sons, Christopher, uh, graduated uh, from the University of Dallas. And uh, he's, he has remained so far in the Dallas area. He's a, a special education teacher, uh, mostly focuses on uh, children with autism and other um, uh, difficulties, uh, learning difficulties. And then um, my son, Daniel, graduated from the University, University of Dallas and uh, moved back uh, to Wisconsin and began training uh, as a, a paramedic. And so for the last two years, he's been a, a paramedic here in uh, northeastern Wisconsin. And just married his fiance in September, so we now have my second married child. And then my daughter Elizabeth, she uh, she graduated from Thomas Aquinas Santa Paula, the California campus, this past May, and has moved back home. Uh, she is taking courses in uh, early childhood development and hopes to become an early childhood development teacher. Um, she's got about a year years worth of courses to complete. And then, as I mentioned. Uh, my daughter, Catherine, uh, is a senior at Thomas Aquinas in Massachusetts and was joined this year by her brother, Michael, uh, who is a, a freshman there. And then I have uh, Victoria, who's a junior in high school, and uh, Thomas, who is now uh, in eighth grade, uh, both of them in the Colby Online uh, program. Uh, so um, all it's I, I, I credit um, incredible education that they received through, through Colby Academy. Um, over the years uh, that has allowed them to to make such good choices and uh, get such a, a great education even even after after high school uh, it's been great and it's funny Jordan you mentioned the uh, the enhanced uh, uh, services I couldn't remember the acronym for it yeah um, EES is what it was EES. oh my goodness what a lifesaver that was for us I when, when we got to high school level and the kids uh, had to write so many papers well I my support role was um, I did what my wife told me to do. So she gave me all the papers to review. And as it got into the freshman and sophomore years, I was inundated with papers. And I was reviewing these things that after work at night. And it was just, and then she mentioned, well, there's this program called EES. It comes with a small fee. I said, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Enroll, please. <laughs> and it, it turned out to be great. The, the kids uh, appreciated uh, getting recommendations from somebody else besides dad on how to write their papers. So I saw it as a win-win. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stephen and I were, were talking uh, this week actually, and I don't know, Stephen, if you could, could you reference that study that you were sh talking about with the father's involvement uh, in, yeah. yeah, particularly in religion, but I mean, 
Right, right. So we we were attending a, a Catholic conference, and there's a group that kind of works on trying to help Catholic schools to you know get their families involved and 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 things. Try to help out the whole community, not just the students that are there. And there were I don't have all of the raw data, but they're saying the kind of the clearest indicator of of having your child keep in the faith is having a father who at least on some level is participating in the faith where they can see what they're saying is so dads make sure your kids see you every Sunday at mass and, you know, participating there, even if you're not a saint be there because that will be kind of the, that's the surest way to make sure that your kids can maintain the faith. So I thought I found that very interesting. I'll throw something in there that you know, there was a, there was a study done. I don't know if you guys have heard of Steve Wood. He's got a, a ministry down in Florida, or at least he had, yes. I think he may be retired. Um, and I remember he came to talk to us in Atlanta once. This is probably 10 years ago. And he referred to a study. It's a sociological study. I don't remember the exact details, but I, but what it tr- triggered me was they did a study of the faith transference from fathers and mothers uh, to their children. And they tracked it over some long period of time. And what they found was that when both parents were of the same faith, the transmission of the faith was, you know, high in the 70s somewhere to a child that, that reached some level of majority. When it was just the mother, it was low. In other words, the father wasn't no faith or, or opposite another faith, um, non-predominant faith. It was, um, it was like 30%. I mean, it was a very low transference of the kids. When it was the, here's the weird one. When the father was the only one, was sort of the, the main provider of the religious, but the mother was not. It was a higher than the couple. It was like eighty percent. It was crazy, and the and the and the point Steve Wood was making was that it has to do with the spiritual role, the the, the spiritual leadership role of the father, with which when they you know when they exercise that role, it's it is a determinative. So anyway, um, if you ask me for the study, I cannot provide it because this was ten years ago plus, and I barely remember what I did yesterday. But I remember that lodged firmly in my in my collective subconscious. Wow. Yeah, I just after I graduated from Thomas Aquinas College myself, I was working. To, I was tutoring some like seventh, eighth, ninth grade boys, and a few of them had fathers who weren't involved. So I was when I heard this at first, I went back to those experiences because I found it incredibly difficult for these young men who were starting to really reason on their own. They're getting up to that point, and they had to try to put together the fact that they loved their father and they they viewed him as a good man. Yet, according to, you know, their views, he wasn't doing what he should be doing as a as a Catholic and as a Catholic father. And so for the most part, they they stuck with, I know my dad's a good man. And so the church must be bad because they're saying he's not he's doing something wrong. Um, And it would tend to go that way. So when I heard that at first, that was kind of the immediate way that my mind went. But that's incredible that. 80%, 80%, even if the dad is, is the only, that adds a different, a different layer to that. Well, yeah. When, when the dad's not doing the job, it's like, eh, but when he's actively doing it, the sort of that, the, the impetus of his active involvement take, makes the difference, at least. So the study said. So um, this is my first year with Colby. I just joined them as the uh, development director this year, but all along, I have five children, the, the oldest of which is a freshman at TAC on the West Coast this year. Um, but all along, even before we were, I was married to my wife, I knew we were going to homeschool. And so we 
we were through Mother Divine Grace up until this last year, and my son is still taking some courses with them. So kind of my wife, I part of the reason I married my wife is because I knew that more than anybody else in the world, I wanted her to form my children. I wanted her to be involved there. So, I mean, I was completely confident with her ability to do that. But then kind of the challenge, I guess, became, well, how do I support? What what do I do? Because I get sucked into business and I can't grade the math papers or whatever, or at least they start to fall behind or I didn't do it, whether I can't or not. But so I know you've already talked about some of those things, but maybe we could talk, talk a little bit about our roles and, well, Greg, now you're the primary, but you've experienced both in you know, the role of the support and the primary. Right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, when I was in a support role, as I mentioned, it was really very targeted. It was, um, I had to work around my, my work schedule, but also um, what areas I felt that I had um, an interest in that I could you know, do well with, with the kids. And so, you know, my focus was uh, um, in literature and history. And uh, so I would do reading and, and uh, phonics with the early children. And I could do that early in the morning before work um, or uh, on Saturdays before yard work. So it, we worked it around and or my wife, Sandy, would say that one child is, is struggling a bit. Could you spend some extra time with her? And, and again, you know, I, I, would, uh, I, would, I remember my daughter, Elizabeth, in, uh, in second grade was taking a, a lot of time for her work, and, and really second grade should be done within a you know, couple hours. It just isn't that, that intense, but it was taking a lot of time away from the other kids that my wife was, was schooling. It was easy when we started with just two kids, <laughs> then you know, it became five. The dynamics changed a lot. We were we easily overwhelmed. So, so I, would, uh, I would meet with my daughter um, before I go to work in the morning, get her up very early. She was happy to do that because then she was free the rest of the day. So it would be sort of a special project uh, sort of approach. Again, when they got to high school level, I was I was grading the papers, and, and when EES came became available, you know, we we always took advantage of whatever resources Colby offered, and they continued every year to develop new new things that would would help us as parents and take some of some of the the, the burden off. And so we were always eager to to try those things out. Again, when the online program came along, that really helped our challenge for the for the high school level because the work is so much more demanding at the high school. It's a big adjustment going from junior high school to high school. And so we, you know, we, took, we took advantage of that. The other thing that I, I do want to mention is, um, boy, the, take advantage of the uh, advisors and the counselors at Colby. Uh, they have such insights and they're interacting with so many different families that when, uh, uh, when you have a certain need, uh, they can offer some terrific advice um, to you. I, I, I used an example of this uh, recently. My son, Michael, was in the online program, and he was pursuing his SUMA degree with Colby. Um, but there wasn't his fourth year of science needed to be astronomy, which was not offered as an, as an online program through Colby. And again, I was now the primary educator and was faced with either taking on that as a self-paced senior year high school class when I had you know, a younger children that had needs. And I spoke with uh, Celeste Cuellar, and she directed me to this homeschool astronomy uh, program. Now, I, I had to get uh, permission from Everett Barowski uh, to include that for the SUMA, but what a beautiful program. And the, the graphics and everything are, are amazing. The program actually is all 
constructed in such a way that you can follow very easily the lesson plan and everything. So my, my point really is that, is that there are so many other resources consulting with the advisors at Colby and, and looking, looking around to see what else you can use it to help. They're out there. They're available. Um, my, my other adage is that, that adult Colby graduate children make wonderful tutors. And so, yes, and they're very affordable. <laughs> so my oldest daughter has been a Latin tutor for many of my kids over the years. So I, I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, I think most of my expertise was like an upper level math and science compared to my wife, who is just much more brilliant than me in all of the other areas. Um, so I know for me, I had to take even a kind of a, a supplementary role. It's like, well. I could cook dinner. I hadn't really done a lot of that, but then she doesn't have to do that. She's got more time. I can run the kids around to activities. I can do that because then she's got the time to to work with the other ones or whatever. But until they got older, then it's like, okay, I can do chemistry with them and I can do some of the math with them. But and still, yeah, I had to be forced to do a, a class for more students in order to be disciplined and not not lose track. But and then. Yeah, other than that, I think just trying to create a couple, for me, just trying to create some anchor points because I constantly would just absorb myself in my work and get sucked into all of that. And then it's like, oh, now I'm missing I'm missing the kids or whatever. So like, we found a 6.30 a.m. mass to go to. So every morning, get all the kids together, get them over to mass. And you know that just created this little anchor point or a group of us always went to the farmer's market on, on the weekend and that became our weekly activity. And it also ended up giving my wife some time to do other, other things as well for a lot of those. But I had to take an even further back role, though, I think a lot, a lot of times. So my kids are all younger. The oldest one is 12 or 11. I'm not sure, as I mentioned. <laughs> I think she's 12. She just had a birthday. So I've got one boy, and I take him to t-ball and stuff this summer. I, I enjoy taking him to hockey, but for some reason, taking him to t-ball is torture. I'm standing there thinking, I can't believe my dad did this. For Four of us boys came and watched our practices. And so I was telling, I was talking to my older brother, who's got older kids than me about it and saying, I just, is it wrong that I hate taking him to T-ball? I mean, I, I don't even want him to play. He plays. And um, he, he was giving me encouragement saying it gets better. It's worth it when he starts playing in, in little leagues and all of that. I'm wondering if um, you guys have any experiences like that, maybe with the the older children in, in your families where you weren't sure, I guess more as like an encouragement to young dads who, who may be in the throes of things and don't have the experience to see the outcome, to see it on the other side. Is there anything like that that, uh, do you have uh, any, any words of wisdom? I'll throw, I'll throw my, my uh, hat in that ring for a moment. So um, I, don't, I don't know that I had your experience, Jordan, of really just despising the sport my kid was in. I can understand. And I, I certainly had a lot of sports covered. Um, on my boy's side, it was football, baseball, basketball, rugby. And uh, my girl's side, it was soccer, volleyball, horse riding, and so on. And so I did a lot of attendance for sure. The, the insight I'd give you is that I think that the most impactful thing I did was coach. So I coached my boys uh, in baseball when they were younger and then once in lacrosse when in middle school. And then in, in high school, I coached, um, I was a special teams coach in high school, which for a variety of reasons I had some qualifications for. 
related to kicking. But anyway, I learned how to do it. And it was a huge time investment, massive, unbelievable amount of time investment, no doubt about it. But I was plugged into their lives in just about the most formative time of their lives with their peers, their olders, their youngers. I mean, and I was, I was hands in, mouth in, all those things and was able to, I don't know, let's say be relevant and to also influence and not just influence them, more importantly, influence their peers. Because as children go, um, as the friends go, so goes in some cases the destiny of the teenager. And I think in the in retrospect that that commitment, that sacrifice, that influence, if that I was able to have as a coach, became a, a a point of reference when they became older in college and out of college. It allowed me to maybe influence them more, and they were willing to listen because I wasn't just an attendee to their event. Because I think everybody, every parent gets the green badge of attendance. And they know that a good percentage of the men aren't, you know, they're totally checked out. They're doing their travel. They're, and I, and I had a job, which has a lot of travel in it. I mean, I'm a million plus a million and a half mile or Delta. So it wasn't like I, I had lots of time on my hands, but they know even viscerally, if not um, specifically what that means to be that engaged. And on, the, on my girl side, I did coach as well, coached them in soccer for a lot and really enjoyed that. So my biggest advice would be make the sacrifice of coaching and you will reap benefits in the long term. Man, that is, that's so good. And it's also uh, so convicting and, and thinking back to my, my friends, dads who were the coaches, uh, I still reach out to them sometimes. They, they did that. What you're describing, like they, they guided me in my teenage years in a way, even though they hadn't been my coach, maybe for a few years, um, I respected them as the coach. I listened to them still. And um, that's, that's fantastic. What about you, Greg? Do you have any, any words? Yeah. I, uh, our, our perspective kind of evolved a little bit. Um, initially with our oldest daughter, we had her in every sport. Uh, so second grade basketball and, and uh, softball. And I remember sitting on a, on a softball field uh, in Oklahoma with the wind blowing and it blew a lot there uh, and, and all this dust in my face and wondering what in the world we're doing here. And, and we, we kept, you know, introducing her to different sports, thinking that we would find the sport that she was best at losing really the, the purpose of this, which was, you know, camaraderie with, uh, with, with other children and learning to, to play on a team. And so we moved away from that concept of introducing our kids to every sport to what you know, what had to be a balance within our family. So soccer involved a lot of travel, and as our family was growing larger, you know, being away on all the weekends for all the games didn't didn't work for us. So we looked at some other other things and and uh, introduced our two sons to taekwondo. I could go there to the practices. Both of them were you know they were eight and six. Taught them discipline. It, they they could be on the you know on the competitive teams. Uh, so it gave, it gave them all of the uh, the fruits that they needed, and I was going to one thing, right? So I could do this after work, and it wasn't it wasn't this, and then all of a sudden r- rushing off and, and doing a tag team with my wife on, on three of the things. So we, we pretty much encouraged our kids to pick a sport that they would be interested in and and pursue and dedicate ourselves to that. And then you know as they got older and got into the high school uh, years, my sons uh, played some basketball. It was easier because I had now I had extra drivers in the house <laughs> to take them to the games that were out of town. And then when my oldest, uh, my two boys went off to the University of Dallas, they both joined the rugby team. 
So they got they they got what they needed, but we again, you know, God, family, and education, and then sports. And we just had to put these things in the right in the right ranking uh, in terms of our time and commitment and uh, and, and and recognize that uh, there's a way to do to to do that without without compromising the sanity of our of our family and, and making it making it manageable. So so I did. I, I sat Jordan, I sat uh, and watched my daughter on a, a swim team in, in Oklahoma uh, every day for, you know, several days a week after work on a hard metal bench. But it was a, a great satisfaction. I can look back at that and say that was well well worth the sacrifice. But we again I think my, my takeaway was really kind of focus on on a few things, not not the many. Because we, my children, I've had some children do taekwondo, some do tennis as well, but they seem to have kind of grown away from some of the sports. I guess we just moved across country, so maybe that's part of it, and they'll jump back in. But it seems like even for my kids, at least, it's finding that thing that they're interested in and that I can support them. So, you know, just for example, my my daughter's really interested in farming and like organic, sustainable farming. We really like to check that out. So now that we're in rural Arkansas and have four and a half acres, we're you know, we've got our turkeys and our chickens and we, we just got a couple puppies. So we would spend time, you know, waking up early, getting the dogs out and training them and, you know, just interacting and kind of finding what it is, like you're saying, what they're interested in and then supporting them in, in that, even if it's not all day, every day, which yeah, we might not work, <laughs> but uh, for us at least. Yeah, no, um, la- last time when we talked, my, you, you talked about, making the most out of even moments that, that may not seem like it. So you would give your, your kids challenges and you would pay them like quarters and things like that. Oh, you remember um, that? And wow. I, I, I remember it. Yeah. I remember that. You could, could you, could you tell a little bit more about that? I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, this goes way back and I'm sure uh, it was my wife's idea, but um when we used to get a newspaper, so that shows how far back we're talking about a, we, we would, um, <laughs> And it was probably a bu- bucket of nickels rather than a bucket of quarters. But I would have my, I remember my older two boys specifically, maybe even um, younger ones as well. I would have them read the front page of the newspaper. And I, I explained to them, hey, the front page is supposed to be news. The back page is supposed to be opinion. I said, look, I want you to read it. And you could get a nickel for every time you see the writer presenting their opinion as though it was fact. That was it. It didn't have to be a liberal or conservative opinion, but just and and trying to get them to read with some degree of um, discernment, if you will. And uh, and that was how they could collect their nickels. And so, you know, they um, so I'm, you know, we'll see <laughs> we'll see when they get to our ripe old age if it, it had a, had a, had its impact. But um, at a minimum, I think that they learned some understanding that there are wolves in sheep's clothing with regard to the intellectual and news sources that one consumes and that whatever the source is, you should be on the lookout for adjectives infesting their way into reportage uh, where they don't belong. I, th- I thought that was really, really smart uh, to do it that way. I mean, it's just critical thinking and going way back, I mean, newspapers then, and I, I'm always amazed now the way that we consume news. I, I don't know, my parents maybe watch the news sometimes, but I, I have not watched the news since high school, probably. It was probably the 90s, the last time. And so to get that get that kind of training built in, so now in when they consume YouTube videos or whatever as their media, they're probably still thinking in those ways, you know, thinking critically 
what is what is an opinion what is statement of fact i thought that was great training and it's funny i i hadn't thought of that so i'm glad that i came up in this conversation i want to get that down again so if i wish we had more time i'd love to go redo uh, some of the other things that we talked about but uh, I want to. I want to just see if there's any advice. What 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 would you tell to to some of the dads out there? I know I asked you to give like some sort of hope or encouragement to them or some sort of advice. But um, if you were talking, let's say, to one of these dads who reluctantly or necessarily became the primary educator due to what happened with the pandemic or whatever, there were a lot of converts to Colby. What would you what would you tell them if you could do that? Maybe we'll start with you, Greg. Sure. Um, yeah, a couple of things. One is, um, especially if, if uh, in, like in my situation, I don't I don't have another parent as a support person. So, again, recognizing that that there are a lot of resources out there that every one of your children are so different and learn so differently. I have some that are just naturally academically inclined, and, and those that that have struggled. And so there are, there are a lot of resources out there. I, I, again, talking to the advisors at Colby can help. I'll, I'll give you an example of one that helped a lot. I have a, one daughter who learning and, 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 and uh, um, being able to comprehend uh, complex topics is more of a challenge for her. And so I remember speaking again with uh, Celeste and uh, getting a, a recommendation to, um, to have her take a, a six-weeks program it's called Secret Garden Educational Pathways. And it was, it was essential for her. They, they, they help kids who maybe struggle with, uh, with reading comprehension, something as severe as dyslexia, uh, something just as mild as, as just writing a, a well-organized paper. And that, again, that was a resource that, that, that was brought to me. And again, my, my time was limited, how much time I could spend with her. And so that became a, a, a tremendous asset to us. The other thing, some of the things are just really basic. My kids all use Quizlet uh, for exam preparation. And I can't tell you, that is so much better than flashcards. And what I've, what I've seen the kids doing in my son's uh, junior high school, they share these Quizlets with each other. I mean, they're getting ready for an exam and one of the, you know, one of the children will, will say, hey, I, I just did this Quizlet on, in, in preparation for our history exam and, and, and send it around to the rest of the classmates. You know, that, that has been uh, heartwarming and, and really a great, you know, a great aid for, for our kids. There is a, a, a young Colby graduate in the neighborhood that lives here who offers tutoring services. And I use her, again, to help with uh, high school papers with my daughter. Uh, and so she comes in a couple of days each week to assist there. So, you know, my, my, my career, my history is doing things yourself and not reaching out necessarily for help all the time. And I've learned that uh, I was forced in a situation where I had to ask for help and look around and see. It's, it's always, a, there's a lot available uh, when you, when you uh, take a look. So again, there's a couple, you know, a couple things that at least work for me. The other thing is I, I, I used to have my kids homeschooling all through the house. We have a dedicated room. I don't want to see books in the kitchen table anymore. There's a, so each of my kids have their own uh, workspace, and that has created a little more sanity for me as I try to keep order in the house. So just a few things. That's great. What about you, Mike? So I guess what I would say is for those, maybe I'll direct my advice to those parents who are, or fathers, I guess, who are not really that engaged. 
um, and it may be overwhelming to them. The the thing I think that would help those people that those fathers that are sort of like maybe have a kid at Colby or contemplating it and who are not like working long hours, traveling and all that is to choose one subject. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, hey, when you send someone a 46 page document, people just, they just becomes overwhelming and they don't even open up to the first page. The easiest thing is to say, hey, open it up, go to page 23, read two paragraphs, tell me your thoughts. I mean, it's just, it makes the thing more approachable that you get in, you get out and, um, and then, then, then they're on their own, they go read the whole thing. So in that similar way, you, you, if you're a father and you should just choose one subject, math, science, whatever, whatever you either maybe feel good at or that you're skilled at. And that's the only one that you track with your daughter or your son and teach it if you can. Um, great. If you, if you can, and, you know, provide, be like the person they email. If you're a traveler, I mean, for instance, if you're a traveler, maybe math is not so good, but maybe English or literature is. So they email you the paper. And when you come home from your business meeting, you look at it online, you write some questions, you provide some statements, email it back, you know, you're engaged. And when they get their reports and whatever back, you're like, okay, how'd you do on my subject? You know, create a little healthy competition between spouses and what have you. But um, that may be a way for some of the fathers who are on the sidelines to kind of get in the game. Maybe not all the time, maybe the special teams team, they're they're on, they're off a couple times a a quarter and, um, and feel that they're contributing. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that special teams team. Steven, did you have anything you wanted to ask these guys while we have the experts around? <laughs> oh, we covered a, I mean, like you said, we, we, we go any number of ways here, but uh, um, yeah, it seems like we've hit a lot of the main without opening up a brand new hour long conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, this has been great. It's been just a lot of fun as well, hearing hearing your different ideas and, and getting our father, as we've talked about, getting the fathers involved. You're making sure that they're involved, and a lot of them are, but how important that is for our family. So again, thanks, Greg and Mike and Jordan for being here today and this conversation. Hopefully we can get together again someday. Thank you, Stephen, Jordan, and Bonnie. Thank you so much, and good to meet you, Mike. Thanks to everybody. You too, Greg. God bless you all. Awesome. Thanks. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Colby Cast in your favorite podcast app to ensure that you don't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>